June 16th. And now it's time to look into the New Testament. Today's reading will come from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 24 through 48. Acts chapter 10, 24 through 48. And here we'll see that Peter uses the keys for the third and last time as he opens the door of faith to the Gentiles. How wonderful is the providence of God! Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, was being prepared for his life's work, and Peter was about to break down the ancient barriers between Jews and Gentiles. Known to God from eternity are all his works. But God had to prepare both Peter and Cornelius. He spoke to Cornelius while he was praying and to Peter while he was relaxing. Be alert. (laughs) You never know when or where or even how God will speak. Be alert to the voice of God. You never know when he may have a word for you. Not so, Lord, Peter said, for I have never. Well, that was his response. And, of course, that kind of response leads to defeat. God was about to do a new thing, and Peter wanted to hold on to the old. Aren't we so often like Peter? We don't want God to do new things. But it's true, you cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. Lord, we pray that you would turn us into new wineskins so that you can do a new thing in us. Well, he calls him Lord, Peter does, but refuses to obey him. Yet God tenderly instructed Peter, and the apostle surrendered to his will. Peter didn't even get to finish the sermon. When he said, Whosoever believes in him will receive remission of sins, they believed and were saved. I mean, what a great way to stop a sermon. And with that, let's stop our commentary here and begin reading in the New Testament. June 16th, Acts chapter 10, verses 24 through 48. They, Peter and the other believers, arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for him and had called together his relatives and close friends to meet Peter. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell to the floor before him in worship. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being like you. So Cornelius got up, and they talked together and went inside where the others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against the Jewish laws for me to come into a Gentile home like this, but God has shown me that I should never think of anyone as impure. So I came as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, Four days ago, I was praying in my house at three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard, and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send some men to Joppa and summon Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a leather worker who lives near the shore. So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now here we are, waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God doesn't show partiality. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. I'm sure you've heard about the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened all through Judea, beginning in Galilee after John the Baptist began preaching, and no doubt 
you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Israel and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by crucifying him, but God raised him to life three days later. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen beforehand to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is ordained of God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who had heard the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles too. And there could be no doubt about it, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized, now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. We all have performance anxiety, whether it's just one person we want to impress or we want to do a good job at this or make sure everything's done. I know the principles apply. What I'm coming to now is if I fix my intention, um, you know, you heard me preach, why am I anxious, right? You heard that one? That really is my secret stash. That was one time where I just brought the church something that I wrote down for myself. I taught it to staff, but I wrote it for me. I sat down and thought like, what are the things that make me anxious? And one of them that I didn't develop in the talk was intention. And I realized that every time that I felt um, overly anxious, not appropriately anxious, you know, the difference is like, one is like, I feel the weight of this because it's weighty yeah. and it steadies me. One is I feel the weight of this and it's crippling me. Right. Yeah. One is necessary and the other one is prohibitive. And the difference for me is my intention. When I'm going out there with a mindset, there's always going to be a certain element of pressure to it, but it becomes unbearable when I'm going out to meet an expectation that others have of me or that I perceive others have of me. When I'm going out with, with more of a mindset to connect with people and to be a vessel for what God poured into me, if I see myself as the vessel, I'm okay. If I see myself as the oil, I'm in trouble. And, and even, even in practical ways of thinking about it, if I let myself... Have you ever noticed how when I preach, say maybe if I go Saturday night, it's different than Sunday morning, it's different than 11.30 at night. And even like when I come up after the worship moment, Maybe one time I just preach. Maybe one time I sing an old song. Maybe one time I sing a different old song. Maybe All of that is an effort to be in that moment. Because if I'm in that moment, I can't worry. If I'm in that moment, I can't regret like being so present in that moment and totally focused on what it is that God gave me for the people. I don't have room for self-consciousness anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like try it. Like try totally throwing yourself into the moment, whether that's you're preparing for something or you're 
in a performance moment where you're having to actually execute. Throw yourself so into the moment that it's not like, what are they thinking about me right now? Or what about this next thing I have or whatever? And see if that doesn't make the anxiety like just fall off a little bit. Because you won't have room for it if you're totally focused on the moment. If I'm answering your question right now and my total soul focus is to help you and answer it and give you something from my heart like I am right now, like I'm just totally flowing with you in this moment and saying the next thing, I don't have room to think like, are they bored? Oh my God, are they disappointed? They've been looking forward to this. What if I'm not helping them? What if I tell them the wrong thing? Da, 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 da. I don't have time for those voices because I'm focused. So it, it really requires your, just this immersive ability to be totally in the moment. And there's practical ways you can get there. Um, there's practical ways you can breathe. There's practical ways that you can smile. There's practical ways you can stop. There's practical ways you can pause. But I think if you don't have the right intention going in and you want to impress people, you'll always feel pressure. If your goal is to be impressive, you're always going to feel like a performer and it's always going to feel like pressure. I believe this, what I'm telling you right now. But I can't always get there. Sometimes I get stuck in all that little, like, is this... The better sermon, is this better than the last time? And little things get in my head too, like, um, they mean well, but the campus pastor would be like, I met a couple from Hawaii, they flew in just to be in church today. I'm like, oh my God, why did you do that? Like, it's 11.31, I'm tired now. Do I have to come to this one? Yeah. Um, I really do think that. It's like, I don't want to let them down. They came from Hawaii. Why'd you come from Hawaii to Charlotte anyway? What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's not my fault. Don't put that on me. <laughs> but get, getting in a different gear, man, like, I'm, you know, God called me to do this. I don't know. A lot, of it is, a lot of it is ego and narcissism. It's not wanting to serve God. It's wanting people to think we're, we're something. Yeah. A lot of it is. Yeah. However you want to play it. Like, oh, I just want to do my best for the Lord. Yeah, that part is manageable. It's the other crap that I allow to accrue. Right. Like, how are people taking this and that? Like, that's what takes it over the edge. I'm also getting more comfortable admitting what part of it is ego versus what part of it is healthy. Yeah. And as long as you put yourself on the edge and try to be led by God, it's going to be a more healthy feeling pressure. And they won't be audience-based in your life. And today we're reading in Psalm 134, verses 1 through 3. Have you ever given thanks uh, for the people who work at uh, the night shift? You know, were it not for them, you'd have no electricity or water at night, no fire or police protection, or uh, no emergency service at the hospital. While you're asleep, others are serving, so be grateful. But do the people on the night shift give thanks? Perhaps not. The psalmist admonished the priests in the temple to give thanks as they served God and the people at night. It may have been a lonely ministry, but it was an important ministry. Your high priest in heaven intercedes for you day and night. He never grows weary or impatient. Have you told him that you're thankful for his faithful ministry? Are you willing to be like Him and serve others, even on the night shift? Psalm 134, verses 1 through 3, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. Oh, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. 
you who serve as night watchmen in the house of the Lord. Lift your hands in holiness and bless the Lord. May the Lord, who made heaven and earth, bless you from Jerusalem. Proverbs 17, verses 9 through 11. Disregarding another person's faults preserves love. Telling about them separates close friends. A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. Evil people seek rebellion, but they will be severely punished. <laughs>